Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. All right, RJ, here we are for another episode of the Deep Dive. Now, RJ, are you a fan of surprises? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's one of those catchy things, right? As a kid, they could be really fun as a, as a little kid, and then you start getting older, and it's like, no, you know what? I want to know what that birthday present is, because mm-hmm. I don't want to give you a disappointing reaction when it's you know probably not what my eight-year-old brain is exactly wanting. Um, and then you, you get older, and I feel like around your college-age years, surprises get fun again. And then you get you get older and then only the only surprises you ever get is like, oh, you know, your car needs like $5,000 worth of repairs and, <laughs> and you know, those are adult surprises, something broke on the house. And, and right now I'm, I'm finding that the other fun surprises are just, you know, you have uh, the throat infection is back because you just have mystery bacteria in you and it won't go away. <laughs> Yeah, I was sad to hear that earlier today when you let me know. Yeah. Uh, push the recording on this back a few hours. But you know, there's some silver linings to that. Mhm. Because get what guess what it pushed it back until after. I know. <laughs> we we finally got a surprise. We finally outweighed news for the deep dive podcast and that news. Can you believe it? Is I know and it's the best news I could have hoped for too. Uh, and that is Maddie Beneers signing with the Kraken. So take it away, RJ. Explain the signing. Explain all the details. Do do your thing. Yes. So Maddie Beneers signed his entry level contract with the Seattle Kraken today. We'd kind of been waiting on this for a couple days after some of his Michigan teammates, Owen Power and Kent Johnson, signed their ELCs a couple days ago. Um, but Beneers has finally signed. He is here. Beneers' watch is over, uh, and all of Kraken Phantom is super excited about this. Um, I, let's just get to the kind of the details of what we know with this signing. Um, first off, he's going to wear jersey number 10. So that's kind of what we had maybe guessed. I've seen a few Beneers 10 jerseys around uh, the arena. So, you know, that's that'll be his number. Um, now the big question, though, when will we get to see him on the ice for the Kraken? So according to the team's press release, there is no set date for his NHL debut, but he is going to practice with the team tomorrow at the Kraken Community Iceplex, which I think is fantastic. Also, because that is an open practice. So Kraken fans, you can go to that practice and watch Matty Beneers on the ice for the first time with the Kraken. I got to think there's going to be a pretty good turnout, huh? Yeah, there has to be because that's I mean, that's going to be just so much fun. Like, I'm so jealous you get to go to that. I know. I am looking forward to that very much tomorrow. Um, So then we also know that Matty Beneers is going to travel with the Kraken on their upcoming road trip. So that is a back-to-back Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday in Calgary, and then Wednesday in Winnipeg. So we don't know if he's going to play on that road trip, but uh, he will be with the team. We'll see if he's ready. Obviously, uh, we are going to ask Dave Haxtell about that tomorrow after practice, whether he sees, you know, Maddie potentially getting in on that road trip or not. And then, of course, uh, the 16th against the Devils, I believe uh, that that would be Saturday would be the first home game where he'll be on the roster. And you'd think he'd certainly be in the lineup by then, right? Yeah, he's going to for sure be in the lineup um, for that game. I'm I'm pretty split on whether or not I think we'll see him on this road trip. Like I I'm not gonna lie, I really am. 
Uh, on the one hand, I, I like that he's going, like I've been saying, big part of bringing these guys in, it's yes to maybe get them a couple games just so they can maybe get used to the speed of the NHL, but also just get them used to the lifestyle and and how you know you operate as a professional now that this is going to be your full-time job. And so I like him going and joining them on the road trip, and I think that there's a lot of good stuff that he can learn going on said road trip without necessarily getting into a game. I think a lot's going to you know, come down to how he practices tomorrow. Um, I, I think they're probably waiting to see kind of how that goes, how he gels with his team, where it looks like he's at, you know, as far as speed-wise, playing with NHL players. Um, I don't know that they're going to want to throw him into the fire against the Flames. There's, there's a poor joke in there somewhere. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe for that second game against Winnipeg, you go ahead and you, you start working him into the lineups, give, give him, you know, 10, 12 minutes or something. Um, just to kind of get his feet wet, and that way he can kind of hit that, you know, first home game running. Right. I think that's a timeline that certainly makes sense. We, you know, when I think about it, obviously it's hard to tell what the team is thinking at this point, but it, it is probably going to matter how he practices tomorrow. I think that would be a good way to go about things. Again, the Flames are, are such a tough opponent for your first NHL game, and, and to get thrown in right there with only one day of practice. I think for that Flames game to go through the entire game day routine, you know, do morning skate, obviously skate with the team there, you know, go through an entire game day essentially, but not have to play. That could be good for him. But of course we're going to ask Haxtell what he thinks. And I think, you know, I, I don't think he's going to tip his hat too much, but I think we'll get some kind of an indication about, you know, how the organization as a whole is feeling. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just going to be really interesting. I, I don't know. Like, like I said, I'm just super excited to have him up here. Uh, I just, you know, give me one game from him, really, the rest of this season, and I think it's all good. I'm just happy that he signed. Um, that that drama is over because there was, yeah. was starting to be a lot of drama with each day that was passing by. It was starting to get a little dicey there. I'm happy that I was wrong about him, um, you know, kind of waiting it out a little bit there. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I would be okay if he didn't play in either of these two road games and they just kind of wait and save him for the Devils game. I, I think that there's merit in that too. Agreed. And I will give you some credit because you weren't entirely wrong. I remember on post game right after Michigan got eliminated, you said that you felt like it might take a little bit longer, not so much even that he wasn't going to sign, but just that it might take a few days. And I think that's exactly what happened. Um, I, I think your feeling kind of was right. And you said it. you didn't think that it's not that he wouldn't do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you you might have been onto something there. So I, you know, interesting hearing your instinct there. And certainly as the days went on, the longer it didn't happen, I kept thinking about what you were saying yeah. and, and hoping that you weren't right about him, you know, just not, uh, not signing at all. So again, just super glad to have him here. Um, a couple more details I kind of wanted to just mm -hmm. uh, go in depth about, because I've heard a lot of people asking, I've you know been all over Twitter, obviously, since this is uh, the news has dropped here. And so I've seen a lot of questions about, how the contract works, the entry-level contract, burning that first year, um, and, and how that all works. So I kind of wanted to explain that a little bit. Um, so Matty Beneers, 
he signed a three-year entry-level contract. So when any player like this who's a draft pick comes into the league, they will sign a standard entry-level contract, which is always three years. Um, you know, and, and so it'll expire in the summer of 2024. And at that point, he'll be a restricted free agent. So the Kraken will still have his rights, uh, but they will need to sign him to a new deal. And recently, especially, we've seen a lot of those deals get quite pricey mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for second contracts on players that are very good. Obviously they're going to command uh, that kind of money, but so that's why the team in general would prefer not to burn that first year uh, of the entry level contract. Cause that'll be this season. That'll be the 2021, 22 season. These, you know, 10 games basically that are left. That's the entire first year of the contract. Um, I've seen some questions about whether he has to play a certain number of games to burn that first year, because that is, uh, the case with some players signing their entry-level contracts. And basically the rule is if you are 18 or 19 on September 15th of the year that you sign, then you are eligible for what's called a- an entry-level contract slide. So that if you play um, less than, oh gosh, is it, is 10. it 10 games, less than 10 games, that's right, nine or 10. So if you play less than 10 games, in that first year, that entry-level contract will just slide over to the next year. So that year doesn't count toward it. Now, Badiers does fall into this exception to the rule, and that's if the player turns 20 before the end of the calendar year. So that's in between September 16th and December 31st of that signing year. So since the birthday is November 5th, he does turn 20 in that time period. So that's an exception. He's not eligible for the ELC slide, which means that no matter what, whether he plays a game this season or not, that first year of the entry-level contract has been burned. It you know it's it's done. So he's going to only have two years on this ELC beyond uh, this year. So I just wanted to clarify that and and talk about kind of how that works. Yeah, and and uh, you know for those of you kind of keeping an eye on things around the league, we saw a couple players this year kind of do that nine-game cup of coffee. Uh, Mason McTavish with the Ducks and your boy over there with the Sharks. Uh, get that <laughs> done. Yep. yep. Yeah. So um, it's, you know, it's on the one hand, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate or whatever. Seattle's going to have to potentially pay Beneers a year sooner, eat into the overall cap space of the team, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, if he comes in and he plays so well over the next two years that, yes, they ha- he commands a big price tag. It's freaking worth it, like because it, it, it means because it. it means he's coming in and he's being the player that we all hope and want him to be, and so I, I'll take that every day of the week. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that's kind of how the contract situation works out, uh, and I know Ron Francis said you know the team prefers not to do it, mm-hmm. but this is something that is generally done for players too. This is common practice. Yeah, um, it's it's not like the Kraken were you know, kind of bullied here or anything like that. This, this does happen quite commonly. Right. And it's, you know, it's starting off the relationship in a, in a good way. You know yes. what I mean? Like, and, and we know the Kraken organization is certainly all about that. Exactly. You're, you're doing right by, you know, your top prospect, your first pick in franchise history, someone who's gone out there and put in a ton of work over the course of this last year to put himself in this position where he can come in and, and jump into the NHL and get some games played. So uh, happy, happy for all parties involved that it's working out this way. Yeah. So, Dylan, I have a quick question for you here because mm-hmm. I'm I just keep thinking about practice tomorrow. I'm yeah. so excited about tomorrow's practice. If you know, for those listening here who might be going tomorrow, 
what should you look for? I mean, what should be looking for at practice? It's just one practice. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's so hard to tell. Like, is it even is it even worth making any judgments? Probably not. But you know, from your scouting perspective, just what's what are some cool things to look for? Well, I, I would say the first and and foremost thing that I would be looking for is a smile. Uh, the number one thing you want to see is that he's enjoying himself, that he's fitting in, that he's communicating with his teammates, bonding, doing all that stuff. Uh, so that's what I would look for first and foremost. I want to see Benir smiling. I want to see him talking around with guys and, um, and forming those connections because, you know, this is going to be a team that he's going to be a big part of for several years. And, uh, you know, we've all kind of thought, you know, oh, one day he's going to be wearing a letter on his chest and stuff. So you want to see that kind of stuff get started early. Um, otherwise, like I said earlier, kind of I touched on it. You just want to see where he's at speed wise, right? You're playing with NHL players now, They're the best players in the world. Uh, even if the team isn't that good, these I guarantee you these are still the best players in the world, right? And um, you just want to see how he kind of hangs in there on things like line rushes and, and whatnot. Um, not just from like, a, oh, is he, is he as fast skating as them, but is he thinking as fast as them? Is, you know, are his passes tape to tape or is he throwing them into people's skates? Is he receiving passes? Is his stick on the ice in certain situations because he's, he's thinking something might happen there? Or is he getting caught off guard a lot of times by some of the moves that they're making? Those are the things that I would look out for next, just to just to kind of see, you know, where where's his head at? Does he look like he's gonna fit in with this group of people right away, or and and potentially play on this road trip, or does it look like maybe he's gonna need a little while while he adjusts to the way the NHL game is played? I don't think that those things are gonna be a problem for Beniers. My guess is, given the way the Kraken have played this season and and a lot of the personalities and stuff on the Kraken. I think Beniers can come in and probably catch some of them off guard with some of the things that he's going to try to do uh, and, and be creative and, and kind of just play his game. And so the, the, the final thing that I would be looking for is just who does he kind of have that instant chemistry with? Because there's going to be someone. There always is. There's going to be at least one player where he's going to do something and that player is going to pick up on it and they're going to form some sort of bond. And I'm really intrigued to see who that might be. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll keep my eye out for that because that is a situation certainly that lots of players, you know, find themselves in. And I think people too, you know, mm -hmm. you go to an unfamiliar place, you're with a lot of new people. Generally, you kind of find someone who you, you know, really connect with and, and you stick by them. And I think that's going to really inform also the big question of where Coach Haxtell wants to put uh, Mc, uh, wants to put veneers when sorry I'm getting ahead of myself yeah. wants to put veneers uh, when he joins the lineup and so I guess that goes to my next question for you like when he does play where do you want to see him in the lineup I mean you know I'd love to say like oh get, go ahead give him top six minutes like let's just really throw him in there and and get the most out of this year um, but realistically I think third line is probably where I'd like to see him now the benefit of the Kraken and, and why some of this could be, you know, considered a little bit of a redundant conversation is the top three lines play the same amount of minutes. We've talked about this several times. We've talked about this a lot in the last podcast. You, as long as he's not like fourth line with no special teams time, he's going to play roughly what everybody else is playing anyway. So, but I, I think from a responsibility standpoint, you can put him out there on your third line. Um, you don't need him to be the hero right away. I, I don't think that that would be good for his development in a lost season anyway. This isn't like, you know, 
you're 18 and you're coming in for some really bad franchise and it's like, all right, you're the show. Like, you're the reason we're selling tickets. We need you to kind of go out there and do that. That's not really the case with Beneers. It's it's more about getting him ready. So I like the idea of putting him in spots where he can potentially succeed and get, you know, beneficial matchups and stuff, certainly when they're at home. So I'd put him on the third line. And then as far as who I'd stick on a line with him, I'd, I'd probably you know, have a couple practices and wait and see. And I'd put him with whoever he works best with. Again, as we talked about last week, Hackstall doesn't really have set lines. He's moved them all around all year anyway. You might as well do that to make Beneers as comfortable as possible and, and you know, figure out what, what, what does it look like the strengths of his game are? What does it look like the weaknesses in his game are? Because um, maybe we can help supplement and, and ease, you know, um, what he's doing with, with certain line mates. And then, you know, if he comes in and just has like amazing chemistry with Ryan Donato per se, you're going to pair them up for the rest of the year, no matter what. Right. And I think that's a good way to look at it too. Um, getting that chemistry with certain players. And I know any new coaching staff that has a player come in is kind of going to want to get their own fresh look, their own fresh take on, on what the guy can do. You know, I'm sure that at some point Dave Haxel and the coaching staff have watched Matty Benier's college film. Um, but I, I think they'll want to get their own look, mm-hmm. you know, at, at what he can do. And again, just seeing who he gels with too. Uh, I, I agree with you on third line. That's probably, you know, where it'd be us to start him. Although, you know, first, second, third, as you said, they all get the, pretty much the same minutes. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure Haxtell will adjust that up or down based on just kind of how they're playing in game, because that's what he's been doing recently. Uh, looking, but I, I will say, you know, this is this is a fun podcast. We can speculate a little bit here. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is what the, the fans want to hear. Where would you put uh, Beneers if you just, let's say he's playing, there's a game tomorrow, he's playing tomorrow, you're Haxtell, sight unseen, have to put him somewhere. And, and I can go first if you want to. Well, I was going to say I'd stick with third line and I would say center. I don't want to see him eased in on the wing. I want to see him in the center role. Um, I think he's really comfortable with it. I think the fact that his defensive game for years now has been so solid, that's where I'd want him. I want him to get used to playing center in the NHL. I think he's he's capable of doing it right now. So for me, I want third line center. Like I said, work matchups. Uh, you don't need to give him 22 minutes a night or anything, but I do want to see him at the center's position. Yeah, that's a good spot. And looking at the lines right now, because I'm just going to have some fun with this. You look at mm-hmm. third line center. Currently, that's Morgan Geeky. Maybe bump him out of that spot and you'd have veneers between Jared McCann and Carson Kuhlman. And I think, again, you'll see who the chemistry develops with, but that might be a good spot for him. And I do want to see how veneers works with Jared McCann. Uh, because I think he had a lot of success, you know, in Michigan working with, uh, you know, a Kent Johnson and and a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Brendan Brisson, you know, both of those guys kind of more dangerous scorers and everything. McCann brings a similar bit to his game like that. Um, and, and, you know, certainly if you get those two going and I know they're both we bo- both like those at center. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just as a way to kind of ease them in and, and give them some weapons to work with, uh, I think that might be good. But I like you mentioned Donato also. Like he's another guy who can kind of bring that scoring element too. I am excited to see kind of the wingers that they could put with him. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see who they decide. Um, like I said, it's just I think ultimately going to come down to who he works with. I like the idea of McCann and Coolman. Uh, I like the you know the energy that Coolman brings 
And I think that that matches very well with Baneers, right? Baneers has a has a high motor. He likes to go out there and get work done. And I could see the two of them kind of gelling and getting a good forecheck going uh, at times, a good little bit of a cycle. And then, yes, you have kind of the finisher of the line in McCann, and, and he can really kind of focus on that. And he hasn't necessarily always been able to, but with Baneers, you know, his his two-way ability... McCann doesn't have to worry about being the guy that's got to drop down low in the defensive zone and, and stuff like that. He can focus maybe more on trying to be dangerous through transition, um, especially with the speedy Coolman on the other side. So I, I like that idea a lot. I think you could probably just go ahead and plug in um, Beniers for, for Geeky there. Here's the question, though. Who comes out of the lineup? It's tough. I mean, you look at the centers and you'd say probably Riley Shan, but I don't know. It might be Morgan Geeky, even though he's had some good games recently. Obviously, it's not going to be Wenberg. Obviously, it's not going to be Gord. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to think it's one of uh, of Geeky and Shea, and that's if Beniers is playing center. Right, and I I think he will. Uh, the thing is, yeah, with Shahan, you don't really want to. He he brings a very particular set of skills to your lineup <laughs> that you don't necessarily want to get rid of, and just the benefits that he's had for you on things like the PK and whatnot. I I don't know that you want to lose that. Geeky has been, you know, he's been hit or miss largely all season yes. long, and um, I, I I think that that's probably where you go as well. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah probably what we'd see. Although you know, we'll, we'll see what happens when the time comes. There are definitely some wingers that given recent play might be scratch candidates too. So if, mm-hmm. if you feel like moving geeky to a wing, maybe on the fourth line, you know, may, maybe a Daniel Sprong, uh, you know, or it could come out of the lineup. Yeah. I was thinking that or, or Don Squoy. Um, it would be that you have options there. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but that kind of brings me around to the next thing. Cause you know, before, before the Beneers news, we were really trying to think like, okay, what are we talking about on this podcast? Can we, we don't necessarily want to spend the whole time talking about the power play, but like really that was like the thing. Um, so we'll, we'll get in a little bit of power play talk here. I'm assuming when it comes to Beneers and special teams, do we want to see him play any special teams? Do we want to see him play both? Just kind of ease him in with the power play? Kind of what, what are you thinking when it comes to uh, Beneers and special teams? That's a good question, and I would like to see him on the power play. Maybe mm-hmm. not right away. I, I think that's one that one's where it's really important that you let him ease in and and learn that at his own pace, and only do that when he's ready. Uh, but I would like to see him on the power play certainly before the season's over, because the power play, as we've talked about all season, it's a problem. It needs to improve, and going forward to next season, you kind of need to know what you have and what you need to add, because. Getting finishers on the power play, that's got to be a priority in the offseason. You know, maybe even a co- uh, an assistant coaching change that's going to bring a new power play system, too. So I think you want to know what you have there because Beneers will absolutely be, you know, part of the lineup next season. And you're going to want to, you know, maximize his skill set there. So I would say maybe not right away, but definitely want to see him on the power play. On the penalty kill, I'd be a little bit more cautious. Uh, maybe if it's something that that you really feel that that he can do well... I just I think the penalty kill, they've struggled a lot of the season to kind of fine tune it and get this aggressive system right. And I think they kind of have it firing on all cylinders now. I don't know that you really want to mess with it, uh, you know, especially it's really tough to go straight into this aggressive of a PK because it involves making a lot of reads 
It involves, you know, a lot of basically pressure and, and quick decision making, which not that he's not capable of it, but it's so tough to ask someone who's coming from an entirely separate system to go straight into that. Uh, it's just it's a tougher assignment. And I'd be really cautious about that. And I don't think you need to right now. I think the penalty kill is doing fine. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my answer on special teams. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the PK there. Um, it's playing well right now. It's obviously a system. It's it's the one thing we can really point to with this Kraken team and say, like, okay, we, we know what they're trying to do anytime that they're out there on the ice. And so while I think Beniers in the long run is going to be an extremely good penalty killer, and I think he'd play in this system very well too. He could totally handle being responsible and aggressive at the same time in that way and, and try to kill teams in transition on the power kill and all that. I think Beniers is, is like the perfect person to add to that. But it, it does take time to learn that stuff. And I feel like that's something that's better left for an off-season program than just like, hey, it's your uh, third day of practice with an NHL team. Guess what we're working on? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this really complicated, specific thing that um, if you do wrong, it's going to really kill us. Like, yeah, it's probably not the best thing for him. I'm going to disagree with you on the power play, though. Okay. I say go ahead and stick him on the power play right away. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, if he's going to play on this road trip, maybe you don't for that first game or whatever. But the bottom line is this power play is terrible. You need anything that can breathe life into it. You might as well take this offensive juggernaut that you have coming out of college and stick him on there and just see what he's capable of doing. Now, maybe this is going to be a difference in philosophy from me and the coaching staff. Um, because for me, I very much want the power play to just kind of be like, all right, at this point, guys, season's over. We know the power play is terrible. Just everybody go out there and just do stuff, play hockey, try to create something and, and, and get, get a goal if possible. Right. <laughs> um, we've seen guys come into the power play. We saw it with Sprong just a little while ago, right. Come into the power play and play very different and play with a lot more energy and move around you know, from out of their one spot where they're just waiting to take their one-timer slap shot. Um, every time we've seen, like, someone new added to the power play, the power play has kind of picked up a little bit, and it's looked a little bit more interesting, and it's been a little bit more deadly before they kind of get beat into the system. If you're going to just beat Beneers into the system, then yes, don't bother putting him on the power play. But if you're going to say, look, there's 9-10 games left, and we're bringing in Matty Beneers, and he is kind of the thing that a lot of the fan base has kind of been drawn to this season because our team hasn't been that great, then go ahead and stick him on the power play and give him the freedom to kind of do what he wants to do and match him with other creative people. Put him out there with Wenberg. Put him out there with Yanni Gord, guys that we know can be creative on the power play. I don't know that you want to put him necessarily with a Jordan Eberle, right? We've talked this season about... He's not the most creative guy. He's more of, you know, he wants his job and he wants you to tell him what he's supposed to do in that job. Then he'll do that. Um, but you stick him out there with Donato, Wenberg, Gord. You could probably get something good going. Um, and then maybe Carson Soucy on the back end. And and I, yeah. I, I feel like that all of a sudden that sounds like a really fun power play to watch. It is not going to be the Muckleshoot bathroom break anymore. It's, <laughs> it's going to be an actual power play that we're going to all be interested in. And so I want to see him on the power play because I think he can bring, you know, kind of some new life to it. And I also think Matty Beniers is the kind of player that is smart enough. And maybe he's not quite this confident yet, but I certainly give him a season or some time under his belt 
where even if the coaching staff is saying, no, this is how the play is supposed to go, he's going to go out there onto the ice and he's going to see something and he's just going to go for it because it's the best play to make in the moment. And he, he can see that, he can read that, and he can make it happen because he's skilled enough to do that. And so I don't know that, he, like I said, he'd bring that this season on the power play, but go ahead and get him comfortable in these situations so that in the future he does feel comfortable doing that and, and kind of breaking the system if it means you know getting the best scoring opportunity, kind of like what we saw Wenberg do uh, in this last game against Calgary where he, was, you know, he wasn't just passing it back to the point. He was trying to pass it net front and stuff, and it was like, whoa, wait, what am I even seeing? right? You know what I mean? Like, let Matty Beniers do that stuff. Let him get into more interesting positions to take shots like we saw him do at Michigan. Um, so I think I think getting him on the power play could be a good thing unless you're just going to beat him into submission and say, no, your job is just to sit here on the, you know, the right face-off dot and just take a one-timer um, every 10 minutes. I will say I got excited as you were painting that picture, you know, of that five man unit you were talking about and all the move, you know, movement and everything and the creativity. Mm -hmm. I am all about that. And certainly after watching Beneers at Michigan, he was in so many different spots mm -hmm. on that power play. I mean, you watch the power play highlights and he's scoring from every single area there is. There was so much player movement there. And like Daniel Sprong, you might like to see that kind of transferred over to the Kraken, even if, if at least just for a little bit of time. And that's, again, where I I wonder about the coaching staff's philosophy there. I mean, what does give me hope is that with Sprong, they certainly had no problem taking a newer player and mm -hmm. basically making him the centerpiece of their power play yeah. almost right away. So, you know, that makes me excited for, for the possibilities with Beniers. Uh, You know, the downside of that, of course, is that, you know, then the Sprong thing, it kind of got stagnant with the power play. And mm -hmm. yeah, they, they, you know, beat him into the system. Uh, so hopefully we don't see that from Beniers. But uh, he's just got so much creativity. He's got so much ability. I think he might be able to kind of transcend that a little bit, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, and yes, uh, I think that's something I highlighted in that um, kind of uh, scouting addendum video that I did for Beniers earlier this season, where we took a look at, at what he had kind of changed over the course of the last off season from when the Kraken drafted him. Um, and so I'll go ahead and link that in the description on the YouTube uh, video of this podcast. So anybody watching it can go ahead and go back there because yes, there are, you can see in that video, there are power play opportunities where like, you know, he is set up on the right face-off dot taking a one-timer. Or he's up where McCann used to be on the power play, where he's kind of playing the left point. And he's taking some sick wrist shots from way back there. And then there are other times where he's kind of on the left side of the net uh, net front, just trying to get tips and all, all that kind of stuff. And, and so to bring in a player with that kind of versatility is something that the Kraken have missed most of this year. And, and someone who can slide around and be creative like that. I, I think that that's going to go a long way to helping the Kraken in the long run. It's just, like I said, it's a question of, you know, how assertive is Beniers going to be year one? Uh, and by year one, it's, you know, for the nine or 10 games he's got with the Kraken. <laughs> right. It's not a lot of time. Um, and, and it's a limited sample size. And mm -hmm. I guess that kind of brings me to another question for you. Talking about expectations. Mm -hmm. Like, what should the expectations be? What I, I don't know. I, I hear so much about like, hang on, let's let's calm down the expectations here, because on the one hand, Matty Beneers, he's the second overall pick. I mean, we've seen flashes of high, high end talent, mm -hmm. like, you know, elite talent we've seen, you know, flashes of. On the other hand, 
you know, it's it's nine or ten games. It's a totally different system on on a team that has not done very well this year. Yeah. I mean, what where should the expectations kind of be set? Like, what would make you satisfied kind of with with these nine or ten games? I want to see him just come in and look like himself and play the way he played in Michigan. I don't care if that's, you know, he scores a lot of goals and, and gets any points. Like, I don't really have expectations when it comes to the counting stats. Like, realistically, he's going to come in, he's going to probably get a goal or two and, and maybe three or four points. That's mm-hmm. That would be pretty standard for a player in a situation like this. Um, but I wouldn't freak out if it was less than that, if it meant that he was playing his game. He was being... Um, aggressive two-way. He, he had his high motor. He's helping out on the forecheck. He's back-checking so hard that he's the last line of defense before your goaltender again. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to see the Matty Beniers that we've seen at Michigan these last two seasons that we've all fallen in love with. Um, I want to see him continue to play that game. So I guess most of my expectations are, going back to what I was talking about before, I want to see him kind of be assertive and not not kind of just get beat into the system right away. Uh, I want to see, you know, a, a fresh player uh, like we were seeing from some of those guys coming in at the trade deadline. But I want to see a fresh player that's, you know, got superstar potential because that's what he has. And you yeah, kind of got to well, let those guys do their thing. Exactly. And that kind of points to what I want to see. I just want to see some flashes, some moments where he does things that really nobody else on this team can do. Again, he doesn't have to be the best player on the team, certainly. Mm-hmm have to have it all the time but i just want to see little flashes and that kind of points to just you know being himself because we've seen it you yeah. know we've from him at michigan but just those hints of the really high-end potential where you know he's capable of doing things that other guys on this roster that let's be honest doesn't have a lot of star power that they just can't do yeah exactly and i think he's got that and i think we will see flashes of that through these games there's going to be times where you know, whether it's he's got the right matchup or he's just he's seeing it really well, he's feeling it as players can do. And, and we're going to see some special stuff from him. And, and that's what I'm most excited about, because, you know, it's these moments have been few and far between for the Kraken this season. That's for sure. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, all right. Is there anything else? Have we, have we have we kind of touched on everything when it comes to him? I think we have. Yeah, I, don't know, I mean. It might be the first like rookie lap, you know, before warmups in Kraken history. Has anyone gotten a rookie lap before? To Colin? I don't. Th- I don't think Colin had because Colin played a couple. games. Yeah, he had played Vancouver. before. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's something to look out for too. Yeah, certainly if he plays in the Devils game first. If you're there before warmups, uh-huh. you know, for those who don't know, you know, NHL tradition, they just they send the rookie out for one lap in warmups before everyone else comes on. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there we go. Get another franchise first. First player in franchise history to be drafted by the organization. It's going to come in and play for him in a NHL regular season game. That's exciting. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of this the the last, last, those last couple firsts we needed to to complete the bingo cards. (laughs) Yep, round out the season. Yep. And and there's some exciting firsts too, because I mean, I am, I am thrilled. Like, Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight, you know, in anticipation <laughs> of tomorrow morning's practice. It's going to be a really fun time. I was going to say, aren't you just going to pitch up a tent and sleep there overnight? Just make sure, like, you don't got to deal with traffic or anything in the morning. I know if I didn't have company staying over, I might <laughs> yeah. do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I will definitely get there bright and early, well before I need to, 
because uh, it's going to be an exciting day. Yeah, so, and for those of us who can't make it, myself included, obviously, uh, we will be staying, you know, tuned into the ECH Twitter account, as always. We know you've got us covered for that. So, everybody, if you can't make it, you got, you know, work, whatever, pay attention to the Twitter. RJ will let us know everything that happened. And, and of course, you know, interested to hear what Hackstall has to say about it all as well. I think that's going to be. Um, you know, once we get over the initial like shock of like, oh my gosh, there he is, he's in a jersey, it's amazing, all this stuff, it's then going to be like, all right, you know, What's what can we try here? to, yeah, what can we try to read between the lines of and, and figure out uh, when we're going to actually see him in a game? I think that's going to be a lot of fun for us tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I will, I will keep you all posted on that. I will poke, I will prompt, I, I will nudge, mm-hmm. trying to get the most out of Axel that I can. I'm sure you know all the media members will be doing that. Uh, and we'll see what we get. Yeah, just he walks up to the thing. And you're just like, all right, we all only have one question. You know what it is. Just answer <laughs> it for us. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we'll start with that. <laughs> you find a way not to. Ron Francis certainly would. And that was going to be my next question. Do you think Ron Francis talks to the media tomorrow? Uh, you know, they, they have done that with trades. Uh, they did that, you know, like post-draft. I do wonder if he does. I mean, it's there's not a whole lot to ask him about you know it's basically just like oh how the elc thing go why this take two days yeah hey, things that would be interesting to know but i i don't know that they'll that they'll shuffle him out there tomorrow mm-hmm. especially because you know we're just gonna have a lot of questions for hackstall so i would say probably not um and and real quick credit to ron at least like around the trade deadline and everything he's he's gotten better with actually saying things in his answers yes yes so, so credit to him there it's much appreciated on on the media side of it for us no, for sure. It's it's more so like, yeah, I mean, I know there's not a ton of questions for him, but it would, it's a nice victory lap for him. You it's know true. I mean? Yeah. You'd think he might like to go out there and, and talk about Matty Veneers. I mean, because of course, like, yeah. you know, it's it's a great player coming in. There's there's no it's not like a trade. You gave up anything. It's just right. all good. Yeah. It's the first pick you made for this team and everything like it makes a lot of sense to do that or it'll at least be interesting and fun to see if he's, you know, down maybe by the rink instead of up in his office. Mm-hmm. Kind of just I wanting be to be a part of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if they at least, you know, peeks out from behind the curtain, you know, at least yeah. if he comes down. Cause it's, be fun. A, it's a big day for the organization. I know all we, you know, fans and, and media and everything is all excited for it, but trust me, everybody in that organization is also excited and everybody's going to want to be able to, you know, take a moment from their busy job and, and take a look and maybe steal a picture <laughs> of him out there for the first time. That's, that's how it goes. And that's how it should be. And I'm, and I'm very happy that uh, we get to all experience that with um, Maddie Beneers joining the Kraken finally. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. I think for this, uh, episode of the deep dive, the deep dive into Beneers joining the Kraken. Um, I know it's a little bit short everybody, but, uh, I kind of needed to keep it that way anyway, just for my throat and everything. So thanks for understanding in advance and thanks for all the well wishes on Twitter earlier. I really, really appreciate all that. It's really awesome, uh, to have the community behind you when you're dealing with stuff like this. I appreciate it a lot. But uh, that's going to do it for us for this week's episode of The Deep Dive. Everybody, pay attention to the Twitter. Just pay attention to all things Kraken because it's just going to be such an awesome week ahead of us now. Oh, yeah. Happy Matty Beneers week. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. And we will see you all next time. Bye.